0: Have you ever experienced a friend that is close to you over the last week and a half? My wife has had the had the pleasure of being on a cruise and she 's gone into the South pacific with with a mum. Her mum gave her the ticket to go, so she was, she felt very blessed and um, very honored just to go with her mum, just the two of them and um, But they were away, so it left me batching it left me by myself and yeah, I got, I got all sympathy. <laughs> Notice how I said at the end. Yeah, that's right. But you know, one of the things, you know, the one thing that I missed over that time was just a company. Yeah. Being, having a friend around the house. Someone that I can come, come home after I finish through the week at work and just to be able to talk to. Yeah. Just a friend that, that's there. A friend that um, you can talk to. You can actually be in their presence and you don't have to speak. You can actually just stay there and it's just the company that you find. And this is what I've missed the most is, is coming home and just talking, just chatting about life. And it's so important that, like as with all of us, that friends, that we have a friend like that. And, you know, it, it's taken years for that friendship to grow. Over 16 years we've been together and it's taken that long for friendship to form. It's taken that long for us to be comfortable around each other, to know, you know, you know each other, about each other's quirks, you know about each other's failures, you know about each other, who they are, the things that irritate either of you. It takes, it's taken that long to really come to a place where, you know, we, the friendship is there. A place of gone, oh, it's great to have you around. You can just be in the same room. You don't even need to talk. And it's that sense of friendship. And that's the one thing that I've missed. And she's coming home. I think she's docked in Brisbane this morning and she's flying home after lunch. And so I'm looking forward to catching up with her this afternoon, looking forward to go down to Redhead Beach. It's nice. and It's a beach we often go down to. Looking forward just to walking along the beach. It's nice and cool. The water's actually nice and warm too. But it's that catching up and that time of connection, that time of saying, you know what, we're just going to hang out. Yeah. And there's this, we can talk about the last 10 days, 11 days, but it's that time of connection. It's that time that we're just talking to one another. And I don't know about you, but that is, that is really good. But that came from, and I want to say this, that, that came from our relationship with God, the closeness that we have. It came from our intimacy, from me personally, learning what Jesus was like as a friend, learning how Jesus calls us a friend. You see, it's said about Jesus he was a friend of sinners. I like that because it, it doesn't alienate anyone. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus just wants to hang out. Have you ever considered that? He just wants to hang out with you? Have you considered that your perception of God Maybe something different. Maybe he just wants to actually spend time with you. No agenda. Nothing on there. Just as a friend. Jesus said he was a friend of sinners. And that that qualifies me and it qualifies you as well. Because we've all sinned. But he restores us and he makes us righteous before him. I just want to read out of John 15 verses 9 to 17. And Jesus gives us a picture of what true friendship looks like out of this scripture. It's written by one of Jesus' closest disciples, John, as it's known. And it's written in a way that it shows God's friendship, shows God's love. It shows the relationship that we have with God. And through the whole of the book of John, there is this intimate connection that's showing this is the Father's heart. This is showing how to walk with God. And so it starts off in John chapter 15 and verse 9, and it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that Your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, and fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And he rounds this off and says, this is my command love each other. Let's pray. Father, this morning I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word brings revelation. I thank you that God, when when you breathe and your Holy Spirit breathes on your word, I thank you that God, it changes our lives. It gives revelation, that God, that brings transformation into our lives. And Lord, this morning I pray, Lord, as I speak, Lord, that your word will speak to me, but also speak to those that hear it, Lord. And I pray that God, the spirit of wisdom and a revelation will open our minds to hear, God, what you're speaking this morning. And I pray that God... God, our hearts will be encouraged, that our hearts will be challenged, and that God, our lives, God will reflect you and to your desires for us. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You notice in verse 14, there is a condition of friendship with Jesus. Just one condition. Love as I have loved you. There's a condition here. God always sets out the pattern, and he never changes it. He sets out the pattern. He says, love as I have loved you. And the whole chapter is speaking about abiding in God's love. What happens when I'm loved the way that God loves me? See, I'm loved as a sinner. I'm loved as a saint. I've become a saint. You see, Jesus' command here is that if you want to be my friend... I want you to love each other. It's amazing, isn't it? And what does love look like? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. When you're in the midst of a heated argument, there is not much love spinning around, is there? Come on, married couples. I know that you're, that you're, you're listening to what I'm speaking. On the outside, everyone can say they've got it together, but uh, go behind closed doors and you will see a different side and you'll see all the arguments that happen and the life it's very quiet in here. I know, it, I know it's reality. It's true. But Jesus says, he said, love one another as I have loved you. He sets the benchmark. He takes us as we are and he says, I want you to love others as I have loved you. You see, God is accepting us as we are. He doesn't ask us to change. He doesn't ask us that we have to go through these steps that we have to get to to, for him to love us. He loves us exactly the same way that we were when we were born. He loves us the same way when we're the worst of the worst sinners. That is why there is no difference in everyone. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because all have sinned. So all of us have sinned. But all of us in that condition of sin, God loves us in that condition. And so it's important that you see that God sets the standard first. He always puts the position first. Love as I have loved you. Love as God has loved me. So that's the benchmark that he starts with. And he said, if you want to be my friend, I want you to take the same love that you have been given from me and I want you to replicate that with those that are around you. I want you to replicate it. I want you to let it flow through you and out of you. So, it's not something that I receive and I put my walls up and I make a big dam and it comes stagnant and awfully smelly and um, I die on the inside. It's something that comes in and something that goes out. As I have loved you. I'm going to keep repeating this statement because it's so important that it is as I have loved you. Love as I have loved you. It's what God wants. Do you know that he places it above any gift that you have? He places it above everything that you can do for God. He places it as the number one thing in our lives that we are to do. And the second commandment, he says, Go and make disciples of all men, teaching all that I have commanded. And this is what he's commanded. Love as I have loved you. Because in John 13, it says... By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Not by my preaching, not by my speaking, not by anything that I say, people will know. Jesus says, it's by our love for one another. That's the defining thing in our lives. That is what speaks about the glory of God, and that's what reflects him. He says, when my people, when my people are friendly, when my people love each other, That is what's speaking about God, and that's what's reflecting him. That's what's so awesome about it, is I don't have to do anything to accept that love. It's being given to me as a free gift. I love that. It's free. See, I also look at Abraham's life. He was called a friend of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be a friend of God. Nearly 2,000 years before Christ was born, Abraham was given a promise. How would you like to be at the age of 75 years? Be asked. Oh, look, look, I'm going to ask you. So, at the age of 75 years, to be asked, I want you to pack up your home. And I want you to move about five and a half thousand kilometers away. You're not going to have a car. You're not going to have a plane. You're not going to have, you just, you and I've just, I'm just calling you and your wife and, and your servants. I just want you to leave where you've grown up, where you've known everything about your life. And I want you to go. He wasn't like this. Oh, just hang on. Let me have a look at Google maps. So have a look at Google, Google maps and I need to look at street view. And we look at, oh, well, that's not the place that I really want to go to. He didn't have that option. God asks him, leave your family, leave everything. And he says, leave it and go five and a half thousand k's. I don't know about you, but that's a long way when you're only traveling by horse and bringing a whole lot of cattle and and servants. That's a long way. You've got to put it into context what God was asking him. He was asking him to go an exceptionally long way. So to put it into context, where he was being asked to go from was in, in Ur, and it was in just south of what we know as Baghdad, modern-day Baghdad today, south of that. And then all having, going from Iraq and the south, southern part of Iraq all the way up over to Israel, what we all were class as modern-day Israel Now, that is a very long way, and that is going to be done all just on horse. And he's possibly never seen it before. Never gone there. And God says, I want you to pick up everything and go. And what does Abraham says? Okay, let's go. He um, brings his, brings one of the family members that God told him not to bring along, but still God loved him. Brings a lot. And they travel over to the promised land and he goes through various trials. He goes through various things that he has to travel through, but he's still getting called God's friend here. God makes a covenant with him and says, I will bless you beyond all measure. I'll make your descendants as more than the stars of the sea. Man, what a promise. He never got to see it in natural, the promise of his descendants. Makes a huge promise and Abraham believed that and he's traveling and and in the in the travels he gets himself into Egypt he gets himself into trouble he travels down to Egypt where he wasn't supposed to go because he's took his eyes off the prize and circumstances sometimes take you and they take you back to Egypt which represents your past and where you go down for help gets himself into trouble and he goes down to Egypt and he tells the king there pharaoh my wife, oh, she's my sister. Because he's too scared about getting killed. How would you feel like that? Your husband. Tell somebody, oh, that's just my sister. How would you feel? Come on. How would you feel someone saying that to you? And they get taken as, a, as another, as gets brought in as a, as a wife of another person. But nothing could happen to him, to, to Sarah. Man, she must have been a good-looking lady. the, The Bible says that she was exceptionally beautiful. God protected her in that. God protected Abraham. And still, God called Abraham a friend. Through all this journey, you can see God taking Abraham on a journey. And then He finally, he asks Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac, And he does what he's asked. He goes up to the mountain and he places Isaac on the altar. And he's a friend of God and God supplies. He trusts and he obeys. He believes what God says. This is what a friend looks like. God says, I promise you and I will deliver. And through the journey, he makes lots of mistakes Through the journey, he has lots of failures. If you only look at his life, there are a lot of failures in this life of of Abraham. But still, he was called a child of God. Still, he was called God's friend with all the failures. What it tells me is you can actually fail in life and God still calls you your friend. How about listening to his wife, Sarah, sleeping with their their servant? Doing exactly what God didn't ask of them. That's failure. But still, in the process of that, God cries out, Abraham cries out, and God forgives Abraham. Failure. I see failure here. And I see it's, it's okay to fail. I see him, this failing. Is it okay to fail? Or is it okay to fail? If it wasn't, God wouldn't say, my mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God says, my mercies are new every morning. Every morning. That's 24 hours. That allows for failure. Could come to terms with failure because it drops your guard down and you come to terms with saying, I'm not a failure. I'm a son of God, but I can fail. I don't have to, I'm not perfect. God's perfect. But in that sense of, I can make mistakes. I can fail. But I'm still a friend of God. See, in James 2... 23 speaks about Abraham like this. It says in the message, the full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God. Includes his action. It's that mesh of believing and acting that got Abraham's name called God's friend. I like how the message puts it. that Believing and acting. Another translation, it says... Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Righteousness means right standing with God. And it finishes off and says, and he was called a friend of God. He's referenced as a friend of God. A friend of God is important. You see, he's referenced as a friend of God. But in the New Testament, Jesus is saying, I want you to be my friends. One person that's called a friend of God. And Jesus is now saying, I want you to be my friends. What does a friend do? A friend listens to you. Spend time with you. I know like with my wife, I love coming home and we just talk. We talk about how life is going. There's also an element of a friend that will be able to challenge you when things aren't going well. I know every message that I speak to a team, every message that I deliver here has to be a message that I live at home because at home is more important than anything I ever say up here. My lifestyle behind closed doors is far more important than my lifestyle out anywhere, anything that I do. That's why the scripture, that's why God says I want you to work on your home before you you leave and, and tell others about things. Let's have a look at what friendship doesn't look like. James 4. I've found the book of James incredibly painful for me. I've found the book of James incred- incredibly a book that has changed my life as God has worked on me and as God has taken me through changes that were necessary for me to live like him and for me to stay married. Don't laugh because I'm going to go into that story in a minute. Because this story, this, this chapter relates to me very well and it, and you'll see the, the correlation here. In James chapter 4, 1 to 6, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but you do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because... You ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. you adulterous people. I want to stop there. That's a pretty harsh word. That's like saying to somebody, "You're, you're having an affair with another woman or another man. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to the church. I'll let that sink in. This chapter is not speaking to the world, He's speaking to us. God places high value on love for one another. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? It means that you're an enemy of God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. We've been speaking over the last... Oh, it'd be The November, I think, Pastor Marty started on being transformed by the renewing of your mind out of Romans chapter 12. And we've been speaking about this and letting our minds be transformed by what the word of God, by what the revelation of what God's word says. To transform our mindset, to transform who I am, to become a closer friend with God verse 5 says or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us you see god has placed his spirit within you he seals it for the day of redemption let me tell you he, he places his spirit within you when you're born again when you're saved and you accept jesus christ he places a seal on your heart and he stamps it your are mine that's why he's so jealous but our whole flesh, our everything that we desire comes out. And it comes out with, I don't like that. And it's, I don't like that. I'm going to criticize. I'm going to mock. I'm going to do all these things. And it comes out of us. It's our flesh. It's our desires. It's sometimes how we've been brought up. And But God is jealous. He says, I have a new way for you to live. He said in verse 6 but he gives us more grace that is why the scriptures say says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble when I said about don't love about marriage about because in 2012 my life went into crisis and I didn't have a friend that I now have in my wife my marriage fell apart at the beginning of 2012 and we separated and needed to be because God needed to work on me and God needed to do some changes within me because my lifestyle and my home life was a, a life of criticism and a life of judging. God needed to do something in me to change me. And so when crisis comes along, you, uh, you sort of have to change. Well, you change or you're broken or you die. Two Two choices. And over a period of a couple of months, God was able to, as after we separated, God was able to work on my heart and work on my mind and start to break the walls and the barriers down of my own life. Because my life represented those couple of verses in James 4. That's what my life represented. So when your life represents that, you do a lot of damage. You do a lot of damage at home. See, I didn't yell and scream, didn't do that, but I went silent, very silent, wouldn't talk. Do You know you don't have to say anything to make your presence felt? You don't have to yell and scream, you can just be silent, grumpy. It's all very loving, isn't it? God says, I want to change you. I want to transform you. You see, when we separated, it was an amazing thing. Kiri hadn't grown up in the church. She'd only been saved a couple of years. But God had taken her through scriptures. Like scriptures like divorce and remarriage. It's not okay. Unless there was sex outside of marriage. And she hung on to that. God had given her revelation and prior to this she began to want to change me and God had said to her, You pray, you don't try and change. So I'm thankful for a praying wife. She didn't try to change me, she didn't try and nag me, she didn't try and criticize me. She prayed for me. I'm thankful for that. Just some wisdom that you can have. Criticizing, nagging won't change. Won't change your marriage. It'll put your walls up in marriage destroy the other person and i was thankful that god had given her a revelation of that because when we separated she knew what was the separation and the consequences of that was whereas i i'd grown up in the church i could just being so strong-willed and things that needed to change i thought i don't care I'm, i'm gone i'm finished i i'm gone i don't care and do you know there's a scripture that, that it, um, says uh, there's a friend that is closer than a brother. And I, had, I remember coming home from work and on my trip home I'm talking to my friend who actually gave me his house free of charge to live while we were separated and he was my best man at my wedding and he said these words to me. I didn't want to hear them. He said, "Jono." He said, remember your vows you made before God on your wedding day. I wasn't saved when I got married, but he was. And he said, for better or for worse, you made them before God. And he challenged me. He challenged me. He said, why are you going to follow God's leading or are you going to make a total wreck of your life? a friend that speak is closer than a brother that comes in and they challenge oh it's not good to hear oh when you're in the midst of that man oh man I'm glad he was a very close friend because he could he challenged me he challenged me he challenged me he loved me in the same time that he was challenging me and I knew he had my best for my future you see he knew he understood that it was about the love that God had given me first. And so he took that and, and I had to listen to that. And that was a defining moment for me because it altered the path of my life. It was a define me. He was a friend. He was speaking out the words that I needed to hear from God right then and there. See, I knew that, yeah, I I could go down another path and, yeah, God does show grace and God has mercy, but it takes a lot longer for restoration to come. It takes a lot longer. The pain and the journey that comes when you go through separation and divorce, I would still have to deal with my own issues, even if I moved on. Even if I moved on. And he was a brother. He was a friend that was closer than a brother. You see, your friends are important. But the greatest friend is Jesus. And he wants to be close to you. You see, he wants to be your friend. See, I'm talking about a little bit of pain in my life that I've been through. That I experienced God's friendship. God saying, I want to be your friend, but I can't. I can't talk to you about things. I can't move you forward. Because that, for me, was a defining shift in my life. It shifted me from a life that says I'll do my own thing to a life that says, oh, God, I'll follow you. And so I see back at that time as as my failures in my life, and I go, that's okay. Because God is in the business of Restoration. You see, it doesn't matter what you do. You see, that was my journey. Your journey will be totally different to that. God is a restoring God. God is a God that says, I want to be your friends, but I want to take you as you are, and I want to show you mercy and grace. That's what God says. I just want you to love others as I have loved you. You see, that defining moment then, As we began to reconcile as a couple, God was working in my heart. And He started to address criticism through His Word. He started to address mocking in His Word. Do you know that God doesn't mock you? Do you know what our culture and our Aussie culture says? To mock. Sarcasm. I do it. Slips out. But God says, I don't want that. You see, when I'm a friend, I like to to be safe. I want my friend to be able to come to me and talk to me, not mock me, not criticize me not condemn me, not bring shame on me. That's what a friend of God is. Because I take my example out of Jesus. When did Jesus mock us? Has he mocked you before? Has he laughed at your mistakes? Hasn't laughed at any of my mistakes and I've got some pretty big mistakes. Has he... Has he criticised me? Never criticised me. Is he patient with me? Oh yeah, he's patient with me. Is he considerate of me? Yeah, he's considerate of me. Is he rude? Nah, he's not rude. Will he tell me things that I need to hear? Yep. But do you know what, how he does it? He says, Jono, he takes it through, through a scripture and he highlights a scripture and he says, oh, I just want you to, meditate on this i'm going to highlight something in your life because i want to set you free because he's not here condemning you he's saying i have a life that i want you to live in freedom he 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 has the very best for you he knows that when you when you criticize you sow criticism back into you it's just a fact i've spoken on this before but it's a life i sow and then i reap but he said that's not me I want you to be an encourager. I want you to be uplifting. See, when I'm at home, what has changed my marriage and what has defined our marriage has now been, instead of being the silent warfare and the criticism to judging to, actually, I'm going to encourage. I'm going to make the the change to encourage. I'm going to make the change to allow my words to be an encouragement because that's what Jesus does. And i become a friend of god i like to be a friend of god and friends invite you in see i want to sit with jesus and not have to do anything i'm just sitting here with jesus i'm talking to him maybe that's you haven't experienced that this morning let me tell you that is the best feeling when i can come into the presence of god and he's my friend and i sit there and i'm rested I can rest as my friend. An old song that says, what a friend we have in Jesus. I need to look at the words, otherwise i forget them. It says, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Verse 2 says this, have we trials and tribulations? Is there trouble anywhere? Can anybody relate to that? I can. Should we never be discouraged? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Faithful. This is Jesus we're talking about. Who will we? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows. Oh, I like this bit. Our weaknesses. He knows them. You can't hide from God. He still loves you. Take it to the Lord in prayer. What a friend. Jesus says, "I want you to love." as I have loved you. The team could come. That'd be great. Jesus says, love as I have loved you. One thing that when I was preparing for this message and God just said, I want you to tell my people that I want them to be friends with me. Right across this place, I just want you to be friends. No shame, no guilt. I want to be a friend with you. I want to be your friend. But there are some things that I I want to challenge you over and there are some things that push me away as your friend. I want to sit down with you and I want to talk to you about those things. Over the course of, from November, when Pastor Marty has been speaking about renewing our mind, Jesus is saying, I want to be a friend, and I want to take my word, and I want to put it in your heart. I want to restore you. See, a friendship with God is an amazing place. His desire for you is for you to live in freedom. That's not a cliche. My desire is to live with God and Him be my friend. To live in freedom. I don't have to rush. I don't have to be everywhere. I can actually rest in who God is as a friend. That means the walls start coming down in our lives. God is wanting friendship with Him so that friendship with Him then outflows with friendship with others. Because as I am loved... This morning, in every place that I find myself, God says, That's how I want you to love the person that you at the moment don't love. That's what God says. And He said, I'll bring healing, I'll bring restoration, and I'll bring release from where you are right now. That's God's promise, that's His word. Do you know that God's method in this never changes? It has never changed. This is God's pattern to how to live life. It's never changed from when Jesus said those words, love as I have loved you. The greatest advertisement for who Jesus is, is our relationship with him and our relationship with each other.